interviewing the leading private equity executives and unlocking the secrets of success. Welcome to the Private Equity Podcast with Alex Rawlings. Hello, everybody, and welcome back yet again to the Private Equity Podcast. Joining us today is Leon Bruhis, partner at Palladium Equity Partners. Welcome and thank you for joining us and sharing your insights. Hey, Alex, thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to uh, have this conversation with you. Perfect, perfect. So for those of us who don't know you, Leon, uh, please give us the usual 60 to 90 second breakdown of you. Absolutely. I'm a partner at Palladium, a firm who is close to reaching its 25 year of generating value for our investors. Early on, Palladium developed a focus of investing in the growing Hispanic market in the US. And at the time when Palladium was started, there were few funds that had, few minority owned funds that had broad recognition in the industry. And many of our investors are pension funds. And I believe that they see in us an opportunity for their private equity managers to look like their constituents. One principle that guides what we do at Palladium is do the right thing always. We serve over 3 million beneficiaries across the US, including teachers, police officers, firefighters, and civil servants who rely on their pensions for their retirement. We take this responsibility very seriously and it permeates through our entire organization. So what one mistake do you see private equity firms or their portfolio companies making? Leon, please. Believe it or not, there is a global pandemic larger than COVID-19. One that has been around much longer and it is bias. While bias doesn't directly affect our physical health, and doesn't take loved ones from us, bias negatively impacts the health of our culture and our businesses. To be a successful investor over the long term, I believe it is critical to understand common biases that often lead to poor decisions and investment mistakes. Biases, however, are hardwired into our brain. They evolved as an evolutionary advantage to help human beings make decisions quickly. In essence, biases are decision-making shortcuts in our brains. In many ways, they help us get get through everyday life. After all, if we would make decisions, everyday decisions and micro decisions in the same way we make investment decisions, we never get anything done. In his book, Thinking Fast and Slow, Nobel Prize winner Danny Kahneman explains that we use two cognitive systems to make decisions. One that's impulsive, automatic thinking, and another one that is responsible for thoughtful, deliberate thinking, which needs to be called into action and purposely activated. What this means for investors is that while many of us think that we use data and critical thinking to make decisions, the truth is that investment decisions are based on how we apply judgment to facts and figures. Judgment is 
inherently an emotion and therefore subject to biases. Even though we think we're using the second more intellectually thoughtful cognitive system, oftentimes we're simply rationalizing a decision made by the impulsive system. Understanding these biases and more importantly, being aware of them can lead to better decision-making, lowering risk, and ultimately improving investment returns over time. Okay, impressive. So I'm, I'm going to guess based on uh, uh, your focus here with regards to that bias side um, that, uh, you know, that, that you've, you've had experience of this. So what experience have you had of, of, of bias? The first bias I, I want to unpack with you, Alex, is unconscious bias by way of sharing my own personal background. I was born in Mexico, raised in Argentina by Peruvian parents. And I came to the US at the age of 18 with the ambition to find a way to stay, study, and work. I had no plan B. At the beginning of my finance career, it was hard. It was uh, difficult to fit in. People made fun of my accent. As you know, the finance industry has a lot of work to do when it comes to diversity and inclusion. However, life has taught me that when you get squeezed, you don't fold, you focus. I decided to use being a minority to my advantage in three ways. Number one, being an outsider makes you less prone to groupthink. My background has afforded me the opportunity to find creative solutions in life. And similarly, I think I bring creative investment ideas that are not conventional. And, and that I think gives a, a, or can give an advantage. The third advantage of being a, an outsider, so to speak, is that they don't see you coming. People's biases make them underestimate you. Luckily, I have found a, a home with Palladium. Over 70% of Palladium employees are female or diverse, and over 60% of Palladium senior team is female or diverse. And our portfolio companies are amongst the most diverse, our portfolio companies' boards are amongst the most diverse in the industry. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I mean, yeah, that's definitely a challenge for a lot of businesses. We get regularly contacted uh, at the moment with regards to diversity searches. Um, those diversity searches are usually uh, gender specific, which isn't, uh, I haven't had, had one that's come across that wants to increase their men in their uh, private equity firm at the moment. So good to hear that uh, Palladium is definitely booking that trend and, uh, and going above and beyond, but also considering not only gender diversity, um, but uh, diversity in its broader sense. Uh, to bring uh, to bring value. So, uh, and interesting enough, what's what's your perspective of how that changes a little bit the um, the investment landscape? And with with diversity, to jump into that a little bit, what what impact does having a diverse team and what's it like working in such a diverse team and the benefits of it? Well, I mentioned some of that in a, a, a little bit ago, but ultimately, Alex, 
we think that diversity uh, equals alpha, okay? Uh, having the ability to bring people from different backgrounds that, that have different experiences brings different perspective to certainly the investment process, but to, to everything we do. And, and in, in it, when, when it comes to palladium, I, you know, we, we've developed a, an entire strategy around it. You know, when we sit in front of uh, Hispanic owners or female of, of, of MWB, a, 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 a company that is owned by a, a female or someone from a, a diverse background, uh, there's there's a certain affinity and that that we can create, and that gives us an advantage when it comes to sourcing and making investments. and And it's also we also find that that some of those investment opportunities are underlooked or overlooked, and and that I think gives us an edge. Okay, so I'm bringing it back to the, the bias world. You talked a lot about you know how bias can affect uh, judgment and. And I think when people kind of discuss this, people think about, like, okay, yeah, this this person's probably not been, you know, or, or in that kind of mode where, you know, by nobody's not biased from my understanding. Everybody's got a level of that. We've all grown up around something and therefore have a, uh, a, a subjective perspective of something which is wrong or right. So how have you specifically been affected by, uh, by bias and how has it, you know, impacted your judgment? Yeah, great, great question. Look, as investors, as I said earlier, we apply judgment to the data and our individual and in some instances, collective confirmation bias can lead to bad decisions and outcomes. Let me share an example from a, a few years ago. I was uh, on a roll and had done several successful transactions in a row. And I felt overconfident. A new opportunity emerged. I had developed a thesis about how we could create value in an industry we had previously invested in and had been successful. In hindsight, there were warning signs, supply chain disadvantages, exposure to cyclical end markets, but I rationalize these risks as manageable. We had successfully invested in a, in a similar sector before, and I mistakenly assumed, known as the over-attribution bias, that we could apply the same playbook and, uh, and, and have a successful investment. Uh, this deal was also a, an instance uh, where groupthink or collective bias prevail amongst everyone involved. Multiple parties working with us express high interest in investing alongside us, which further solidified my conviction in the investment. The end result was not good. My biases had led to a bad investment decision. But experience is what you get when you get what you when you don't get what you were hoping for. And I believe that failures aren't and shouldn't weigh on you, but instead they should be seen as a ladder for progress, a learning opportunity. I have learned a great deal since that transaction. I am much more 
self-aware of my own biases and more humble around the investment process. Private equity is a game of inches and it has became, become extremely competitive and there's no room for biases in this chessboard. Interesting. Yeah, I definitely agree with the private equity being uh, incredibly competitive. There's a lot of firms out there. And even post-COVID, I thought things might calm down a little bit, but the amount of raises and everything that's gone on has uh, it just made it even more so. And therefore, uh, you've got to look at different angles to, 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 get, uh, to get deals and look at different perspectives. And uh, definitely seems that Palladium's definitely doing that. So how do you how do we guard against this? So it's great kind of having this discussion and being aware of it, but you know how do we become consciously aware and and being able to think, uh, am I actually being a little bit biased here? Because you know we, I think it's going to be something difficult for somebody to uh, to see. I suppose am I right in saying that? Hundred percent. My uh, my engineering professor used to say, if you can measure it, you can solve it. In my opinion, the key to avoiding bad decisions stemming from biases is self-awareness. In fact, as I discussed earlier, one can turn these biases into opportunities. And I'll, I'll expand on the example I, I mentioned earlier. At Palladium, our strategy around investing behind the Hispanic market is, is, is stems from a bias of, of overlooking this population. Um, the, um, listen to this statistic. If the US Hispanic market was a country, it would be the seventh largest in the world. And it would be the third fastest growing amongst the top 10 largest economies. This is a tremendous investing opportunity. With that said, the Hispanic market remains significantly underinvested, and, and we continue to think that it presents an amazing investing opportunity. So to recap, um, one should be to guard against biases, one should be self-aware of biases. Also, you can turn other people's biases into, into your advantage by, uh, by finding overlooked opportunities. And then lastly, I think that uh, having a diverse team, diverse uh, that brings different perspectives can avoid groupthink or collective bias that will in turn lead to better decisions. Interesting. So tell me, Leon, what do you love about the private equity industry? And also what do you dislike about it? So, uh, Look, I love that there is almost no objectivity in investing. Just shades of whatever you want to believe, how you interpret things and how you apply judgment and how you develop conviction around an investing, an investment. Nobody will ever solve the puzzle of investing uh, or be able to perfectly answer what's going on. There's just opinions and feelings, and, and that keeps exciting and, and fosters learning. I think investing is about continuous learning. And this continuous learning, whether over the course of a career or a company's uh, investment cycle, has the potential to 
lead to transformation. And what that does, does that look like? The majority of the businesses that we invest in, at a Palladium are family or founder own. And many times, by the time we get to these businesses, the founders or families have found some success and have a bias towards avoiding risk. And, and they wanna kind of uh, uh, keep the status quo. And here's where, where we come in. In, um, in Spanish, private equity translates to risk capital. And we are in the business of, of risk taking. So we, when we partner with these founders or, or families, we, we try to widen the lens, focus on the art of the possible and act as catalysts for growth. We usually try to develop a path to more than double uh, the, the size of the business, which is usually known in the mindset of the families or founders that, that, that we partner with. And as I said, our model enables us to, to take risks and make calculated bets that we believe will change the trajectory of the company and accelerate growth. Ultimately, when the model works well, there is a multiplier effect that we not only positively impact the company, but we create jobs, we strengthen the communities where we operate, we deliver to the retirees who rely on their pensions, and yes, we make some money along the way. And ultimately, I believe that capital catalyzes change and that private equity can be a force for good and who wouldn't want to be part of an industry like that? So I also see quite a uh, book uh, shelf behind you, Leon. Um, so I always like to ask kind of where do you get your influences from? Do you read, do you watch, do you listen? I'm going to guess it's a, a used bookshelf, I hope anyway. Uh, so what, what is, you know, where do you get your influences from? And, and uh, I'm going to guess there's some, might be some good books behind you as well. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I um. I, I am a big uh, audiobook listener. So some of these books are, are, uh, are books that, that I bought and, and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, I, I, I try to, uh, to read or listen about, about an hour a day. And, uh, some of the, uh, the books I've been um, reading recently are uh, Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb. Uh, uh, start with why um, by um, Sinek, yeah. by uh, Simon Sinek. Yeah, great, a great book. Uh, I another book I read I read recently was the Undoing Project by uh, by Michael Lewis, uh, who talks about the story of uh, Danny Kahneman and Amos Traversky, and and it's a book about um, a heuristic biases and. And, and that actually was the inspiration for, for what we're talking about today. Very good, very good. And if anybody wants to reach out to Leon and discuss uh, bias, discuss private equity, or you know, maybe uh, reach out to you for a different reason, how best do they, uh, do they get in touch? Best way is to reach out to me in, in LinkedIn. I, I am, a, I am a, an active LinkedIn user and I'm very responsive. 
Perfect. Well, we'll put the uh, link to your LinkedIn profile uh, in the show notes. But so, Leon, thank you very much for for joining us. I really appreciate your insight. Uh, something completely different with regards to discussing bias. I've uh, really enjoyed that discussion and how that blends into uh, to diversity as well. So, thank you very much for uh, for spending your time with us today. Alex, I love the discussion. Thank you so much. I look forward to connecting again. Absolutely. So, and also thank you very much for, for everyone joining us today and listening in. Should you ever need support with your private equity professionals or portfolio executive hiring across Europe or North America, please do reach out to me at Rural Selection. And of course, please do subscribe and you'll be notified of our next podcast, which comes out every two weeks. But till the next time, keep smashing it. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Private Equity Podcast on www.raw-selection.com.